You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Four. Lord willing, that's the goal this morning. I want to get through the rest of this chapter. Those of you that have been with us for a long time on, on the... In the book of Matthew, we've been in Matthew 24 quite a lengthy time. If you're new with us today, or let me say this, if you are unfamiliar with what we call end time events, um, when I mention subjects like the rapture, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's brand new to some of you, I don't know. Um... Or we say the second coming of Christ, what would that really be? What does that mean to you if we said that? Well, one thing is for sure, uh, those of us that are saved here today, we know that we are waiting on the next event that we are waiting on is for Jesus to come back in the clouds and take his children home to be with him. If I can walk us through that one more time, I'm gonna, <clears throat> I'd like to explain to you Here's what God teaches us is going to happen um, in the future. It could be, guys, honestly, it could be before we finish this service here today. That's why I, I preach so strongly that you need to be saved and know that. Get it settled now. You don't want to wait till you know, the rapture may have happened and now you're, you're, you've been left out. So for those of us who are saved, you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You've recognized your sinful condition and your inability to do anything about that. Um, God teaches us that, that uh, man does not have the ability to take care of his sin problem, uh, be like a piece of charcoal trying to clean up a, a dirty pan or something like that. We are, we are the problem, and so we needed somebody to step in to take care of what we could not do. We realized we're sinners. We were deserving of what the Bible describes as a place called hell, where our sins will be paid for forever and ever and ever. It never ends. You'll never finish paying that debt. You come to realize that, and you don't want to be the one that stands before God, guilty with those sins in your life. You realize Christ died on Calvary because of my sin. He died to pay for my sin debt and holds out to mankind a gift called eternal life. And God speaks to our hearts from time to time, maybe in a service like this. God would come and speak to your heart. You can sense the Spirit of God is talking to you that I'm the one that's not settled in my salvation. I'm, I'm shaky with that. A matter of fact, it's, it, it, it strikes fear in my heart. And when you realize you, you are that sinner and you need a Savior, when you turn to Christ with all your heart and cry out to the Lord to come into your life and save you, God does save you. God takes your sin debt, pays for it by the blood of the Lamb that was shed on Calvary, and your name is in the book of life in heaven. For those people who are saved today and sitting here this morning, the next thing you and I are waiting for is an event. We, we've put an English word to it called the rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible, but it'll be fully described in several different places. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 describes what it's going to be like when God will come back. How many of you have a loved one in heaven right now? I've got my parents are up there. And how many have a loved one up there? Praise the Lord. Here's what will happen. Jesus will come back in the clouds. 
He will hover in the clouds. He will not come down to the earth at the rapture. His feet do not touch the earth. He doesn't come down, uh, gather people together while he walks on the earth. He simply comes down in the clouds and all of the loved ones that are saved who have died before us and are in heaven right now will come back with him and they'll hover in the clouds. Christ will call, the trumpets will sound. Christ will call the Christians, everyone saved. By the way, everybody saved this morning? Hearty amen to that on your way to heaven. All the saved will then leave this earth. God will call us up. All those in the grave who are Christians, uh, uh, their soul will come back with God in heaven. While their soul is up there with Christ in the clouds calling us up, God will bring their bodies out of the grave and will transform that body into a perfect body just like his. Uh, A glorified body is the word we like to use because that's the kind of body Christ has. But then when he calls us up, he changes this body into a perfect glorified body. Praise the Lord, I don't want to go to heaven with this body. Anybody else want to say amen to that? I'd sure like to have one like he's got and uh, we'll be identifiable to each other, we'll know each other, but it'll be a perfect glorified body. That's called the rapture. We will be in heaven with God at that point. So what happens down here? You say, preacher, just the Christians go up. That's true. Those who are going to be left don't know Christ as Savior, have never called upon the Lord for salvation. They are eternally lost. They're left here on this earth, and they will begin what we come to know as a seven-year tribulation period. We will be in heaven. Christians are not going to experience this, but the Antichrist will set himself up on the earth, and for seven years he will rule and reign on this earth. Um, He allows the Jews to come in uh, to their temple again, set up their temple worship and the animal sacrifices. All the Old Testament law is enacted again, and they're so excited. They think our Messiah has finally come, the one we've been waiting on forever, not this imposter Jesus who said he was really the Christ uh, 2,000 some years ago. But in the middle of that seven years, uh, the Antichrist, his real colors come out. He reveals who he really is. He kicks the Jews out of the temple and mass murder takes place of anybody that names the name of Christ. And uh, for the next three and a half years, tribulation such as this world has never seen or ever will see ever again up until that seven years is done. When the seven years is done, now here's the event we need to understand and it's what we're preaching about in Matthew 24. Then Christ comes back in what we call the second coming or the time that he literally comes back. You say, well, I thought the rapture was his second coming. Well, if you want to say the second coming is in two phases, you can. The first phase is the rapture. He doesn't come and touch the earth. But the second coming, where he, um, the second phase of that is where Jesus comes down to this earth as the great Messiah that Israel had really been looking for all along. And uh, you have the great battle of Armageddon. The armies of the earth try to fight against him, and he literally wipes them out um, with the the word of his mouth and uh, the flaming sword that comes from his mouth. And the enemies of of Christ will be wiped out and he will then set up what we all come to know as the millennium, the thousand year reign. Be a perfect time. And uh, then if I can just hold it at that point, at the millennium is where Christ will rule as the Messiah. 
That's what the Jews thought they were getting when Jesus came back the first time, and they just couldn't see how he could be a Messiah as a little baby, and then as somebody so weak as to allow his enemies to take him and kill him and put him on a cross. It made no sense how that could be the Messiah, but they just didn't understand that he had to come the first time as their Savior. He would come the second time as their Messiah. So the, so the disciples in Matthew 24 comes to Um, they're coming out of the temple and remember this is the week Jesus dies he's only days from his death at this point and you got to understand the intensity that he's got to be speaking to these disciples with and hoping those around him can hear and understand and maybe it'll stir their hearts to want to do what is right in this life and to prepare for eternity in the future and if you'll go back there with me at the first of uh, part of chapter 24 and look in verse 3 And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, they call this the Olivet Discourse. It just means he sat on the Mount of Olives and gave them a a teaching, answered their questions. As he sat there, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the, listen to this wording, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What is the sign? How can we know that the second coming, when you come back, when your feet touch the earth, you set up this millennial kingdom that we're wanting to happen right now anyway. Uh, when is that really going to happen? And Jesus sets out on the longest answer that he's ever given to any question that was ever uh, presented to him. And he answers that question. Here's what it's going to look like. So the second coming, guys, listen, and, and you have to remember this. His second coming, when he comes back and his feet touches the earth, happens right at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. So as you read through this, and you need to understand, that's what's going on is that tribulation period on earth. We're in heaven, and just prior to his coming, we have the events that we've read about, especially in the first half of the chapter. So for this morning, we're going to take some further signs of his second coming, and I'd like for you to follow along with me. Let's begin in verse 32, if you will. Verse 32, the Bible says, now uh, learn a parable of the fig tree. So he pulls out nature and tries to use this to help them understand uh, when he's going to be coming back. Uh, Learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch, the fig tree, is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. That's an easy nature subject to understand. Verse 33, so likewise, let me compare this, he says, Uh, ye when ye shall see all these things and we'll explain what those all those things are when ye shall see all these things know that it is near even at the doors verily I say unto you this this generation and we'll explain who that is this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away Anybody say an amen to that? That's so true. Now, and uh, let's continue on verse 36. But, listen to what he says now, and everybody just get this into your hearts and in your heads. It's so simple. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But, as, and let me explain to you again, he says, let me tell you what it's going to look like right before I come back. As the days of Noah, or as we know Noah, were, 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, what was it like back then? For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noe entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be just like that, he said. Verse 40, um, this is a very confusing passage of Scripture, often misinterpreted. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. That is in the second coming. Verse 43, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not. You're going to be all distracted. You won't know. You won't, life will just be uh, happening to you. In such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, I'm going to have a prayer, and then I'm going to share these points today. God, thank you for your word again. And Jesus, I thank you for how specific you got with us and explained these things for us today. I'm so thankful I won't be here during these events. Um, but God, you do issue a tremendous warning for the rest of the world. And I pray that it would wake us up today, God. And, and I'll say it again, Father, if somebody's not saved today, I beg of you to speak to their heart in the love of Christ. Draw them to you in a saving way and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've already walked you through this little timeline of the rapture that's next, coming up next, the seven-year tribulation, and then Christ comes back, sets up the millennium. Um, number one, Christ, let me just give you number one, Christ gives us a lesson from nature uh, to show us uh, uh, what it's going to be like when he does return. And he said so there in verse 32 down to verse 35. And if you'll look there with me again, he says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. That's an easy thing to figure out. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things. What things is he talking about? Uh, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So, so stay with me and I'll try to make it as understandable as possible. Uh, all, all this is, <clears throat> this talk about the fig tree, is just a lesson from nature to point to a sign of Christ's coming. Remember, it's got to be happening somewhere during the uh, tribulation period if it's just prior to his second coming. So that is the truth. And he says, you guys can understand uh, about the fig tree. It's easy to understand. Leaves are coming on, you know, summer is near. All right. But listen to me, the fig tree in this verse, hear me, especially some of us that have been in churches for years and years, the fig tree in this verse is not symbolic of the nation of Israel. I know that might pop a bubble or two, but years ago, and I'm going back 30 years, um, we were taught by some well-meaning people that, um, that really felt like they had a good grip on what was being said here, that the fig tree in this verse represents Israel. And if you make that 
happen if you think that is the nation of Israel. And I do understand Israel many times is described um, in some cases like the fig tree. I, I get that and I totally understand that. But 30 years ago, it was a popular teaching that this was speaking about the nation of Israel, the fig tree. And many took the phrase there that says, when the fig tree puts forth its leaves. Uh, well, if you think that's the nation of Israel, what does putting forth leaves mean? It's starting to bud. It's becoming the fig tree it, in, it was intended to be. Um, and they thought that was a symbol of when the nation of Israel would become a nation again. Well, when did Israel gain its uh, nationhood again? What year? Back in 1948, that happened. So people automatically said, oh, that's the fig tree putting forth its leaves. And, and, uh, and he says, no, that it's right at the door when these things are happening. And it says, this generation shall not pass until all these things would happen. And so they said, well, okay, when those fig leaves bud, when Israel becomes that nation again in 1948, uh, this generation, and they added up the years, I think it would be 40 or 50 years, depending on how you determine what a, um, a generation is. And they, they added it up and came up with the year uh, 1988. They're like, oh, that's the year Jesus is going to come back because this generation shall not pass till all these things will come to, to pass. Uh, There's a guy named Edgar Huizenant. I don't know if I'm saying his name properly. But he even printed the book 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Does anybody else still have that little booklet tucked away? Guess what? You can file that away in another file now, file 13, because guess what? Jesus didn't come back in 1988. Um, not only that, this passage isn't even about the rapture. If you keep it in line biblically and eschatologically, you want to use a big fancy word, it, it really happens at the end of the tribulation period. Um, so notice verse 34. Go back to verse 34 again. Verily I say unto you, this generation, whatever generation that is, shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Well, which generation is Jesus talking about here? Um, and, and listen to me, it's very simple. He wasn't talking about the generation right here that he was talking to, because we all know that's long gone. And he wasn't talking to them anyway. So which generation is he talking about? It's the generation that will be in existence when all these things take place. Not the generation that was in existence at that time. So notice the phrase, uh, when all these things take place, when all these things have happened in that verse. So what things is he talking about when all these things happen, then, these things, then Christ will be coming back? If you'll take verse 4, and read down to verse 28 again. And we won't take the time to run through all that again because we've done it several times already. Look at all those things that are happening. You have the abomination of desolation taking place. You have false prophets. You have all kinds of wickedness is taking place on the earth. Lots of deception is taking place. All of which is, yeah, some of it could be happening uh, Right before the, the rapture, I believe some, you know, you have false prophets and so forth today, yeah. But most of that, the, the best fulfillment of all those things happens during the tribulation period. And once all those things have taken place, you know a real easy way to put it? Once the tribulation is done with, then I'm going to come back. 
That's about the best way and the easiest way to put that. And notice how certainly God makes it in verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. In other words, what I'm telling you is truth. It's going to come to pass. My words will not. And I love that, by the way. God's word, by the way, it's not just the words that he spoke in Matthew 24, but God's word, praise God, preserved word of God is not going to pass away. Praise the Lord. It, it will come to pass exactly the way God has said so. Number two, who has the exact knowledge of when Christ will return? Is there anybody in here that's got a book that has told you pretty much? Uh, I'm going to give you a real close uh, guideline as to when Christ is going to come back. And how many of you have the Blood Moons book at your house? Also, we were given a copy of that. And, I, and there's a lot of great things have been said about that. But lots of times when you get books like that, they try to pin it down a little bit closer and, and they intend to encourage the Christian to get busy and stop being so lazy. If you've got lost loved ones, tell them about Christ. I understand that's the motivation is right, but I, I think that we are wrong when we try to say, I believe Christ is going to come back, and you name some kind of a time frame. I know as soon as somebody says, I think it's going to be at this time, that he's not going to come on that time. I, I know it because no man knows the day or the hour. You know what's kind of odd to some people? Not even Jesus at that time knew exactly when. I mean, how could that be possible? That Jesus, the Son of God, who knows everything, he's omniscient, that's what the omniscient means, knows everything. How could an omniscient God not know the day or the hour that even when he was going to come back? That's really, honestly, very simple. We have to remember that Jesus, when Christ came back or came to us from heaven, he took all of his glory and honor and laid that down when he left heaven to come and take on a, an old human body like we have here today. He lived a life of self-limitation. He willingly chose to not give all of his glory out or we would have fallen over dead in his presence. He chose to limit himself. That doesn't make him any less God. Uh, he was as much God uh, while he was on earth as he was man and he was as much man as he was God and by the way that's still true today while he's in heaven he just chose to limit himself even in the knowledge that he contained while he was here on the earth but guys once he went back to heaven and he told his father father I'm now ready for you to restore that glory to me that I had when I once was with you some of you are familiar with that verse and that is exactly what happened. When Christ went back to heaven, his full glory came back to him. All of the knowledge that he willingly limited himself with came flowing back. And I believe with all my heart, obviously, Christ knows when the day or the hour is now. Do you realize, guys, when even Jesus said, I don't even know at this time while I'm on this earth, I don't even know when the day or the hour is when I'm going to come back in that second coming to set up <clears throat> this great millennial kingdom do you understand how foolish it is then when a little common man thinks he's taken the Word of God and has put together some scriptures and added some things together and feels like he has come up now with, um, you know, they say, well, I don't know the exact day, but, I, you know, you can see the times and the seasons. It's very obvious. It's got to be around this time frame. <clears throat> how foolish for us to do that. God's idea was not for us to know the exact time. God's idea is, is get ready. Be ready when the time does come. 
Uh, Don't sit around and feel like you've got all the time in the world to take care of spiritual matters. Get ready is the idea that God is pressing in the heart of people. You cannot live a casual Christian life or casually live lost and think, well, you know, if it's really real, if, if God is really real, then when all these things start to happen, then I'll realize it's really, really true then, and then I'll really, really get saved then. Well, friend, you may not really, really have an opportunity to get saved. You may not. And the admonition in all of this is, be ready, get prepared. So let's look at some of the attitudes. God says, let me show you what it's going to be like for some people during the time right before I walk through the door, so to speak, and come in and set up my millennial kingdom. And he does that in verse uh, 37 to 39. Look at that with me, if you will. Verse 37, but as the days of Noe, the, the Greek pronunciation of Noah, Uh, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, what was it like back in Noah's day? For as in um, in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Hey, let's hit the pause button here just a minute. How long did Noah build the ark and preach to all these people? How many years was that? For 120 years. He built that ark, took him forever. And can you imagine all those people uh, running around that day and, and uh, going to the grocery store, heading back to their house? They look up and they say, there's that nut up there building that ark. He calls it an ark and apparently there's going to be some great flood. Well, they'd never seen rainfall at that time, at that point in history yet. And so he was a nut. And they're like, Noah's out there, he sees a crowd of people going down the street, he runs up, he tries to preach to them righteousness, and they're laughing and mocking and making fun of him, and what do they do? They just go on, buy their groceries, head back to the field and work in the field, and live as if nothing's ever coming their way. And the whole time, God knows, 120 years from the time he started preaching and building that ark, there's going to come a flood. It's important that you remember some of these events as we work through the flood. So they were eating and drinking and they're having families, uh, marrying and giving in marriage. Life was very normal. Nobody was worried. Nobody's upset. Uh, It'd be kind of nice to get rid of that fundamentalist up there on the ark, uh, get him out of the way, but we can live with him. Life goes on. Yawn, yawn, yawn. That's the way it was. Um, And he says, you know, just before I come back, in that second coming and you got to get yourself into the tribulation period but you know what it would fit just as well for the rapture honestly it would just before i come back though in uh, in during that tribulation period there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be trying to live life as normal as normal as it can be during the tribulation period and uh but but again I, i'm convinced that's going to be true of the rapture time also um you know a lot of folks may come in and listen to a preacher preach, walk out of here and put a little smug grin on your face as you jump in your car and drive home and say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Preacher, I've heard, we've heard this for hundreds of years in America. There's been no God whatsoever. You go on, live your life, no big deal. This is never going to happen. And then a trumpet sounds, Christians disappear, and you're left looking around on earth saying, no, this this, this, this cannot be. That's what he's trying to get you to understand, more so into that tribulation period when Christ comes in the second coming. So first he uses the example, did you notice this, 
of the two guys in the field. Let's drop back down there. Um, Look in verse 40. Go down to verse 40. Uh, Then shall two be in the field. This is just an example. Shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other one left. And then he says, two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. Now look back up here and, and get this. Doesn't that sound just like the rapture? You got two people out in the field, two guys, one guy's working over here, one's working over here, trumpet sounds, and one guy goes up, and the other's left, like, hey, where'd, I, where'd, I, where'd my buddy go? Sounds like the rapture, but honestly, this is the second coming. This is tribulation. We think, well, somebody was taken, was taken up to be with God. Not so. As it was in the days of Noah. Let's go back to that. Were the people that were taken and caught up in the flood, when they were taken, how were they taken? They were taken in judgment. And those who were left, where were they? In the ark. They were safe and and left in the ark. So the ones that were taken in the days of Noah were taken in judgment. And the truth is, when you read about the guy in the field and the two women grinding at the mill, one was taken and one was left, the one that was taken was not taken to heaven with God. They were taken in judgment. The ones that were left get to enter into the millennium with Christ to have a time of perfect peace and so forth. And he's just describing to them it's the way it's going to be. There's going to be a lot of deception going on. People are going to think, you know, uh, as normal as it can be, there's no second coming of some Christ, you know. And during that seven-year tribulation, you've got 144,000 Jews running around the world preaching the gospel. He even sends out angels into the four corners of the earth to preach the gospels. And there's people down there saying, get out of here, guys. We've had it with this religious stuff. We don't believe that. Let me live my life the best way I can live my life. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes back again. That's what he's trying to say and get us to understand. So if you'll, let's see if, how far can I get you to drop down? Verse 43, same thing. But, but know this, that if the goodman of the house, the owner, had known in what watch the thief would have come, I can't stop here for a minute. I know that sounds silly, but can you imagine getting a letter in the mail? Uh, hey, bud, this uh, Friday night about 3 in the morning, I'm going to be coming into your house. I'm going to steal your TV. I'm going to take a uh, computer and, and uh, all your jewelry. Just want to let you know that. But if the good man of the house had known that, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. But look at verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And what he's saying is, well, I know a thief doesn't send you a message in the mail. Nobody gets an email or a text and saying, I'll be robbing you tonight, just so you know. But Jesus is saying this. I have let you know every detail I can think of. I have given you the day, you know, what the days look like. I've given you um, what's going to happen just when I'm right at the door. I've told you what it's going to look like. I, I've given you everything to be watching for. Now get ready. That's the idea. Get ready. And you say, well, it sounds like he's telling those people right here, these disciples, get ready because this could happen any time. Well, if you remember, you go back a little bit further. Jesus is saying this is written for people who will be reading this later on. 
He literally does say that. And so for that generation who can get a copy of the Word of God and then working, bumping right up into the tribulation period, I know they're going to hate the Bible in that day, but those who can read the Word of God can begin to read and understand, oh my goodness, this is that time that was spoken about in the Word of God. Our hearts need to, need to be prepared and ready. I told you we're going to finish this chapter, so look in verse uh, 45. Verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? You see what he just said there? Who is a servant that is over a house that I've put them in charge of and is feeding everybody inside like they're supposed to? Who is that faithful servant who's obedient to me? That's the idea. Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. In other words, the person that listens to my words, all these things I've been saying to you, and, and gets it. And they're like, you know what? Jesus would never tell me a lie like that. This is true. I, I'm going to get my life in order. I'm going to get things, uh, you know, get busy for God like I ought to. He says, that's, that's who I want to find. That's how I want to find my people serving when I come back. Verse 47, verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. I can bless him, he can, he can rule and reign with me, so to speak, in the millennium. Uh, listen to verse 48. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, he just turns evil, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day, here's the wording, when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What he just said was, where are the people who believe what I'm telling them? The people that believe what I'm telling them gets busy and begins to serve God. They, they carry out great and good works for the Lord. If it would be us here today, you would be just looking for somewhere to serve God. Preacher, is there something I can do at the house of God? Is there something I could do through the week that would help further the kingdom of God? And you've just got a real heart for the things of God. But he said, there's a group of people that are not going to be that way. There's a group of people that'll, you know, they'll laugh and mock and make fun of, and they'll think it's the stupidest thing they've ever heard, and they get caught up in the way you know you saw what that guy did he got caught up with the people in the world drunken and living like the rest of the world does and says it's never going to happen to me and it does happen and the idea is get ready I, I don't know how else I can portray what Jesus has been trying to say all through this chapter I'm going to close with these verses would you go back up with me verse 38 and 39 verse 38 and 39 look at it for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not till the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then verse 42, and that's it. Verse 42, knowing that, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. One more time, I understand he's talking about the second coming right at the end of the tribulation period. But Jesus' warning to be ready applies to any of us. Be prepared. Get ready. 
I don't know where your heart is about Christianity today. I don't know where you are with dedication to the things of God today. I, I really have no idea unless I see you faithfully serving and wanting to do some things for God. I really don't know your heart like you would know your heart, but can I use the same example that Jesus used? As it was in the days of Noah, I want to, let's just get real real in, in what it must have been like in that day. <clears throat> so everybody looks up and sees Noah and as all of his family, hey, look at him, you know, uh, bringing all these animals up into the ark. These guys are idiots. And now look at them. <clears throat> They're all going into the ark. And, and hey, who's closing the door? I don't see anybody there closing the door. That was weird. The door just closed uh, by itself. And we all know God was the one that closed the door of the ark. And they looked up and they saw dark clouds like they'd never seen before. They began to hear something they'd never heard before. The thunder from the lightning began to, you know, roll through the clouds and the flash of light would streak across the sky. And they began to look at each other and say, what, what, what is this? We've never seen this before because God used to water the earth through a mist in that day. And from that point on, things have changed. And that water canopy that used to envelop the earth, now the, they just gushed open into the rain that literally flooded the earth for many, many days. And if you can just remember all those people, as it was in the days of Noah, this is the way it's going to be right before I come back. And uh, those people are beginning to look around at each other like, what is all this water coming from? And what is this stream running past me? And it's beginning to build up to my knees. And, and uh, my kids are starting to scream and cry. And some dad runs out of the field and grabs his wife and his kids and says, get to the top of the house. And they get to the top of the house and the water comes to the top of the house. And they grab anything that's floating by and they begin to look up at this ark up here on the hill. And they begin to wonder, was that preacher really right? Was all the warnings he said about a mighty God who wants us to live righteous lives and to be uh, cleansed of our sin, could it be possible that preacher was telling us the truth and we were the fools and then they begin to float away from their tops of their houses and people are screaming and animals and everything that can climb a tree is climbing to the top of the trees and people and anything that can hang on is grabbing the tops of trees and people when it begins to become real to them and they can still run around, run up to the door of the ark and pound on the door of the ark. Let us come in. I'm sorry I mocked and made fun of you. I know it's real now. Can we come in? Daddy's screaming and holding on to their mothers and their little children. I can't even come close to describing what it must have been like. I don't know if Noah and his family could hear on the outside what was going on, the clawing and the scratching and the screaming. Everybody who finally realized too late and come to understand too late, that was real. The message that preacher was preaching was real. And my family literally is being washed away with all the animals and with all the plant life. Literally everything the Bible says that had the breath of life in it died. You look at the oil deposits at the basin of uh, these uh, huge oil reserves. They say they have found uh, um, plant life. They even find the skeleton of fish in the bottoms of those. Where, where in the world did that come from? I know exactly where it came from. The Great Flood. A group of people who refused to prepare for what was right out in front of them. To every Christian here this morning, and a while ago we talked about being saved, how many of you saved, and some of you raised your hand, waved your hand, said amen. Just let me ask you a question, what are you doing about it? What are you saying, I'm really prepared, I'm ready, 
what are you doing to tell some friends about this and some neighbors? And if the flood of God's judgment really is coming, are you really prepared for that as a Christian? Of course, you're going to be caught up in the rapture. You're safe. You're saved and on your way to heaven. Praise God for that. What are you doing for a world around us that needs to hear the truth? But friend, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God has come to you this morning and began to tap on your heart and to say to you, you're the one I'm talking to today. You're the one that I've given this message for today. You're not ready and you know it. Christ doesn't live in your heart. You still have the sin of the world hanging on you, still unpaid for yet. I just want to challenge you today. The message Christ tried to give us was get ready, be ready. And I, and I trust and pray we're going to give a, what we call an invitation. If you're not familiar with that, it's just an opportunity. We'll stand, our heads will be bowed, and we give an opportunity. If somebody wants to come and talk to Christ, if God spoke to you as a Christian, you've got a loved one, or you look at your own life, and you know that you've not been doing what you ought to be doing in this life, serving like you ought to serve, or you've got friends and loved ones that are not saved and we're treating it so casually, I would challenge the Christian, here's an opportunity to come to an old-fashioned altar and pray to God. But friend, if you're lost and you know God's talking to your heart today, it'd be an opportunity for you to come and we would love to take, meet you here at the front and take the Word of God and show you how to be prepared. I trust and pray if God speaks to your heart today, you let him have his way. Would you bow your head with me, heads bowed and, and eyes closed? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.